This podcast was prepared by Ashley and Martell in their personal capacity. The opinions expressed in this show are the host's own and do not reflect the views of any of their personal affiliations. Hey, this is fellow Atlanta Georgian Andre Benjamin or Andre 3000. This message is to all Georgians who are registered to vote or able to vote. Voters are systematically suppressed and disenfranchised. We are working to change that history and be sure that every person who can vote can and does. Georgia has a chance to be heard again in the critical January 5th Senate runoff race. If you are or will be 18 years old before January 5th, 2021, you are eligible to vote in this Senate runoff election, even if you did not vote in the 2020 general election. Absentee ballots should be requested ASAP and early voting begins December 14th. More details can be found at vote.org or fairfight.com. Georgia, let's be heard on January 5th in this very crucial election. Out. All right. That was uh, the OG Andre 3000. What a message to voters in Georgia. Three stacks, three K. Yeah, that was that was dope when that came out. Um, you know, this whole year and election season has been wild to say mm-hmm. the least. Um, but the the work that's been happening in Georgia, my goodness, like, you know, I'm hopeful to say the least. And I hope that um everyone who is listening. Uh, when this episode comes out, early voting will be happening in the state of Georgia. Um, so we encourage all Georgia residents, if you happen to be listening to this, to make sure you get out and exercise your right to vote. These two Senate seats could change the game in 2021 if they are uh, filled with two Democrats. Um, I did my submission for my front page news magazine and I have put on there is all I want for Christmas is two democratic Senate seats. That's all I want. (laughs) Man, it's so important. Um, I think these are probably the, the most important runoffs. Um, I'm going to say in the last decade or so, um, it's been years, especially just, um, just how high pressure everything is. With Congress, um, these things mean a lot. It's all eyes on Georgia right now. Um, so, yeah, if you're in Georgia and you can vote, please vote. Um, because it's really all eyes on Georgia right now, uh, between now and January 6th for real. Um, but, yo, thank y'all to uh, logging in, logging on, listening to episode 20 of Black Political Millennials. Um, in 2020. Yo, 20, episode 20 in 2020. And uh, we back at you with another one. And um, I go by the name of Pierre Defecto. And, um, and uh, it's your girl, Ash. You know, you're Black Political Millennials. We out here. We, we out, out here. We are out here. Um, so... How you been? You know, how how's it going? Our last episode, I think we had our last episode. Was that before Thanksgiving? 
Man, everything's a blur. Um everything is 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 a freaking blur. I'm doing all right though. Um staying in like always, trying not to go crazy, but um still staying active. Um I'm swole. I lost fantasy football, I didn't make the playoffs this year. Um so I'm disappointed by that. But what you expect when your first round pick and your second round pick get hurt and your fourth round picks get hurt. And one of your picks gets traded midseason. It was a lot. Um, so I'm kind of disappointed about that. But it is what it is. But um, I'm doing all right, though. You know, I'm looking forward to whatever holidays we're going to be able to have. Uh, the holiday plans got flipped all up, all upside down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um not going to really be doing the things that I expected to be doing. But uh, – you know, perfectly next year we'll be able to make those things happen. But, um, yeah, that's it, though. That's it, though. The holidays are definitely different this year, even on Thanksgiving. I feel like, you know, every year Thanksgiving is like that first round of holidays where your phone blows up. And this year my phone didn't really blow up too much. I think everyone really was just in a space of, like, seclusion and just, like, right. You know, just try to make it for real. And, you know, you can't be mad at folks for being in that space, especially after everything that we have dealt with um, in this past year. Um, mm-hmm. Like I told you before we got started, you know, I was getting, um, you know, this photo book together. I can say it on here because our parents don't listen to this podcast, but I got them photo books of Bellamy for Christmas and going back over you know, the past year and a half with her. Um, it's just wild to say the least. Um, you know, I look back at pictures from, you know, last year, but then also the beginning of this year. And um, I, it seems so, so long ago because we literally, so much has happened. You know, right. when, we, when we joke about a month feels like a year, everything that's happened every single month mm-hmm. just you know it it just it just really puts a reality to to life and you know mm-hmm. what what what's what's what what's on our plate like what we're dealt with and uh i don't know I, i'm 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 extremely thankful Um, That is one thing that I can say is that I am thankful that despite um, this world and this country um, not giving its best, Mm -hmm. that we're able to make, you know, find our joy and make our own joy. Um, Because that's the only way we're going to get through is figuring out how to make our own joy, whether that is ratchet tv whether that is um a partner that you live with whether that is you know uh, a book you're reading or listening to uh you know it's i think it's just super important that we try to to find that in, in these times because if not it can break you and if and, and for those of you who listen and the biggest thing you did this year was make it like that is more than good enough. Oh hell yeah! Because yeah. 
what we're not going to do is is we're not going people are not going to be shamed for having a bad regular ass 2020 you know what i'm saying like you know there's always the uber positive people on twitter or, or facebook and they're like oh i was able to do this this year and please share share what you did this year like yo like you said some people's year was surviving yeah. you know what i mean some people's year, like let's be real, some people's year was not taking their life. You know what I'm saying? Like there's there's some people's years that were like that. Like some people's years was keeping her family together. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's important that we we recognize like some somebody bought a Tesla this year. That's what's up. You know what I'm saying? But that's not everybody's reality. You know what I'm saying? And I also don't want what happens is is there's a pressure for people to succeed or or to to uh, display achievements or whatever it may be. We ain't doing that in 2021 neither. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're not doing that neither. Like, you know, if, if you got some wins, share them. Talk, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But we're not going to do one of these, like, where you at? I'm, I'm here and I'm done this, this, and this. Where you at? We're not doing that next year neither. Yeah. No you know pressure. Saying? Ain't no pressure. Yeah. That's dangerous. That's a dangerous precedent. So, you know what I'm saying? If you're one of those people, you know what I'm saying? Be gentle. You know what I'm saying? Like share your wins, no question. But you know, don't don't even have the people to feel pressured to like put themselves on a the platform. You know what I'm saying? For the sake of positivity or success or regression or whatever might be your keyword. Yeah. We're not Yeah. yeah. Uh uh. The boss woke up. We got to start off the episode with the boss and a nap, and we woke her up, so I'm sure she'll hop in in a little. Uh, I know that's one thing for this year for me that has really been eye-opening is watching her grow. Um, For those of you who listen to this episode and you've been listening from the beginning, um, there's truly been a progression um, in our uh, unofficial co-host, Bellamy. (laughs) And, um, yeah, she talks a lot and I kind of put, I kind of, uh, put a little bit of that on us and her dad because she hears us talk all the time. (laughs) All she knows is talk and, um, you know, watch out though. Cause let her, let her get enough words. We're going to throw her on the mic and let her have her own show about something. It might be five minutes, (laughs) but we will let her, we will let her get, get it out. Like just get it out, babe. Um, <laughs> and she just said, "Yay!" That sounds like that's what she wants to do, y'all. So, yeah. So you know, twenty twenty is wild. What you know, we were talking about just the fact that this is episode twenty, wrapping up twenty twenty, um, and looking at our episodes this year. Like we can kind of do like a little wrap up because y'all, it's been a shit show this year. Like. Yep. It going back on like each episode from this year, you know, Martella, I was asking like, what what was going on in January? Oh, just this past January, we were talking Trump impeachment because the House impeached him. He was talking stuff about Iran, but we dodged the bullet. We didn't go to war, and then we also had some natural disasters happen. So. Uh, that's how we kicked off January before the pandemic even started. Yeah, and then Kobe died at the end of January. And Kobe, that's like, right. Like, 
January 26th. Like, I'll, I'll never forget that day. You know what I'm saying? Because crazy enough, that's the day my father passed away. So oh, I'll never forget that. So that that's how the year, like, started. It started with, like, us thinking, like, on a Saturday morning, we might be at war, at war with Iran. And, like, a week later, Kobe dies and Gigi. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it, that was really how the year started. You know what I'm saying? And nobody could have known that the year would just continue to just just be a dumpster fire the way that it, it started. But it did. Every year, I mean, every month, it was – it was something, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It was every month. And then, you know, we we were in the beginning of this, like, big push on the presidential race this year with all of the candidates and, um, you know, all of the primaries that were going on. Uh, I feel like back in January, we weren't sure about Joe. We was like, I don't know, Joe. I don't know, Jay. You got to pick it up, bro. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I can honestly say, like, I was not, like, for Joe Biden at this time last year. Mm-hmm. Like, I was not – I was I was not feeling him. I didn't want him to run. I thought he was going to take votes away from people. And I can I can be honest and say that. You know what I'm saying? Like, at this time, he wasn't feeling Joe. Yeah. Um, you know, and things changed as the year went on for multiple reasons. But – yeah, you know, like, we ain't even going to sit in front like we was Joe from the jump. Like, no. You know what I'm saying? I can admit that. Yeah. That's how I was feeling, you know? Yeah, same. I mean, even with, like, some friends that, you know, we have that definitely understand, like, that establishment side of politics, and it was just like, you know, Joe's the one that's really got the backing to get to the end. And it was, I I remember vividly because it was like, for me, a frustration with us as a country and feeling like we can only win with someone like Joe. And Mm -hmm. that is like, especially when you look at like what the Republicans put up, you know, like they put up the like, I'm, they put up some of the dumbest people, if I'm honest. Like, I mean, look at our current president. Like, these are not folks who, like, I mean, I never thought I would even look at George Bush in, like, a good light until now. Like, yeah. and 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 he, he was not the greatest. Yeah, George Bush was terrible, too. George Bush was terrible, too. George Bush... George Bush looked frozen on 9-11. He didn't know what to do when he was reading the storybooks in the, in the classroom. George Bush fumbled on, on Hurricane Katrina and left how many Louisianans to die, you know what I'm saying, and, and traumatized generations of folks, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, he, he, he greenlit the war to, to kill Saddam Hussein and weapons of mass destruction, more weapons of mass destruction, Ooh. which was which was a farce, you know what I'm saying? So George Bush was definitely terrible, but you know what I mean? But yet and still, I still think that Bush, if he was president now, he'd be better than Trump was now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like he'd be a better president in 2016 through 2020 than he was in 2000 to 2008. That's just, you know. I I will, I agree. And I think too, um, some of the decisions that we've all talked about with this administration once they came into office and the things that they 
you know, wanted to undo simply because a black man did it. You know, everyone right. say, oh, it was a Democrat. No, Donald right. Trump was racist. And um, it was, there was intent to uh, undo what that black man did. And so it just, from the, from the, um, what, what was it? I'm, 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 was it a pandemic team? But it wasn't a pandemic. Was it like a national crisis? Yeah. Um, department that was dismantled upon Trump coming into office, which would have been a key place for people to be more strategic about yep. dealing with this pandemic um, so that we wouldn't be in the position that we're in right now. I mean, we'll get we'll get a little we'll get into this a little later but yeah you know so it's 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 frustrating but you know that's what we were dealt with in the primaries last this this time or kind of about this time last year but january february and then um i still love that we were able to at least get one live episode in in person when we were kicking off you know this show you know that was super tuesday right Tuesday, Super Tuesday live show was was a good time. That was definitely, um, you know, I mean, shout out to everybody that came out to Super Tuesday live. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to the warehouse in Scroll Hill in Pittsburgh, um, you know what I mean, for opening the doors and let us make that happen. But it's kind of crazy that that's like the marker of the end of like regular life for all of us, like the group picture with everybody. It's just like mad people all together and there's no mask, you know what I'm saying? And we're cool. And that's just crazy that it's like, okay, it is the last time this many people were were together, could be together indoors. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's crazy, man. I don't even think that day we didn't even, I don't even think coronavirus was on our tongue. Like, I don't even think that, you know, it was in the news, but it was that far away from us that we just didn't, you know. I don't even even know if it was in Washington State at that time. I don't even know if it got here. It may have been the week after that it got to Washington State or maybe the same week, but it wasn't even remotely close to... The eastern side of the country. We we was living. and so, yeah, a little bit after that, you know, we won't ever forget it because that's Dante's, that was Dante's birthday weekend that everything shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had, you know, we were on lockdown and then we saw protests, you know, folks were protesting, like, open up our state. And uh, remember the, the armed protesters in Michigan and uh, they... It yeah, just- PA too. There was a lot of there was a lot of states that <clears throat> that that had protest. Yeah. You know, like yeah, I remember, yo, like I remember, we was getting threats. You know what I'm saying? There was there was like threats being made in PA. You know what I'm saying? Towards like elected officials. You know what I'm saying? Just because people were so mad, it only been closed like a week or two at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, it was wild. So yeah, coronavirus really, I mean, cause, and also that was what PA, that was primary season. So primaries were pushed back. Yep. Um, we were able to have the amazing summer league pull up in May. Um, yeah, that episode. 
Yeah, that episode was super fire. Um, so if you haven't checked that episode out with Summer Lee, um, super, super good episode. You know, it was it, what I remember. I explicitly remember about that episode and after we got done speaking with Summer is just feeling energized. You know, we have been on lockdown for a couple months, so we did the Zoom and, you know, anytime Summer, and I tell her this all the time, like anytime Summer talks, like she just lights a fire, you know, like she just, she just gets you going. And, um, you know, we needed that, you know, we were, she was up against a lot of pressure in her primary race um, with the, the Democratic establishment in this county putting up uh, that guy, Chris Rowland, against her. Um, and she still smashed at yep. the ballots. But uh, um, she increased her voter turnout even more than the first time. So that let that neighborhood know, like, no, we want Summer Lee. That's who we picked last time. And we're going to let y'all know. That's who we still want. Get out of here. Um, you know what I'm saying? There wasn't no establishment putting up somebody to try to take back some control. Nah, mm-hmm. like, that's what happens when communities use a voice collectively. Mm-hmm. Know. This is who we want to represent us. You yep. know what I mean? So, yeah, powerful statement. That was a super powerful statement. Yeah, and then what else did we have after that? The primaries were in June. In the June primaries. Mm-hmm. I think everybody learned it was supposed to, for the most part. Yeah, because also, too, I think by that time, um, Bernie pulled out. So it was basically, you know, Biden in the race. Yeah. And- Bernie, Bernie took a landslide. I remember, like, when he was up in the last year, beginning of this year. And then Super Tuesday just kind of just started to show the unraveling. Um, and a lot of people that looked like they had numbers and a lot of places didn't. Like, I remember just, you know, we thought, um, oh, man, I can't believe I'm blanking on her name right now. Um, Not uh, Klobuchar or Kamala. Yeah, no. Um, oh, man, from, from the Northeast. Oh, my goodness. Why can't oh uh, um Elizabeth Warren? She's my oh, name. Oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. How do we forget Elizabeth? You know, you know, I, um, I was I'm still kind of surprised that she didn't pull the numbers in certain states, because I mean there are people who were supporting her, so I, I really don't know what happened. So what I think what I think it is, and I say this all the time when you when you look at like an Elizabeth Warren, she's when it comes to policy and just getting it she's there but it's like that shallow side of government like she doesn't she doesn't like get the people going unfortunately mm-hmm. in a way that you know it sucks that i have to compare to like a man but in the way like bernie can get like you know a big I don't want to say it's just social, but it's just like people are interested. It, I feel like it's it's like unfortunate with an Elizabeth, even though she says exactly what we need her to say. She asks questions. She listens like someone like us who who we are, you know, aware of just how things work. A candidate like a candidate like Elizabeth is very appealing to us. 
But for people who just want to be like, you better catch my attention. Elizabeth just doesn't do that for some people. It's like, I hate to say it that she's boring, but it's like she's a boring candidate for a lot of folks. Um, And, you know, I also think, you know, being a woman is just hard. It's just really, really hard. And uh, white women right now, I feel like, are up against that, like, you know, the the 56% statements of like, you white women are still out here voting for Donald Trump in in a majority of your numbers, you know? (laughs) So there's like that level of trust that isn't there. And then, um, then when you have like Elizabeth and Kamala, you know, like, you know, I'm a, you know, Kamala, the HBCU grad, the, you know, member of a, a black sorority, um, and just. It's different. Yeah. You know, like someone like Elizabeth, I think it's just hard, but let's be honest too with Elizabeth because Kamala didn't get the support that we expected. But I think that's a lot to do with being a woman and, you know, Kamala's history in, in, or not history, her record in California to folks who aren't from California, they look at it and it's like, she's not for the people, but it's like, y'all, um, her state voted for her to be the senator. Right. So, you know, that always confuses me when we have those like those uh, conversations or those. um, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Like. It's not a rebuttal, but when people have their like. Just whatever position that they can take with a candidate, like Mm -hmm. I was never one to. Well, I take that back because when Kamala, when Kamala announced she was running for president on MLK Day, mm-hmm. I was here for it. Like, I was yep. here for it. I was here for her. Um, and uh, I, everything that this country has always put in our face about, like, what a politician is or what an elected official looks like. I just felt like, you know, besides the fact that like, you know, within the black community, we're always going to have our, um, our skin tone differences. But at the end of the day, she's a black woman. Like, yes, her mother is of um, Indian descent, but like, she's a black woman. And so... I read up on a lot of the work that she has done in California, and I also respected for I respected knowing for her to get into the position that she's in, she had to put up with so much shit. Like, I just right. I, I couldn't even imagine. Like, I ain't even at a fraction of where someone like Kamala is at, and I've been through some shit. So if I have been through what I've been through, I can only imagine what that woman's been through. Um, she's, she's, you know, she's a little bit younger than my mom. So like, it's just different. Like, it's just different for that generation and how they had to grow up. And, you know, even once, even once she was 
selected as the VP candidate. And I think we talked about it on the episode, how all those stories was coming out about her. Like, who cares who she used to date? I don't care. Mm-hmm. He's cute. So I bet she did date some high profile people. Like, right. okay. I mean, she was just under a microscope the other candidates weren't. And I think on a, on a past episode, we talked about that. Um, I'm pretty sure we had a discussion about um, how there were certain things that weren't being brought up about male candidates that were being brought up about her. Mm-hmm. Um, and certain things were brought up about her that weren't brought up about other female candidates. Um, so the whole time, you know, uh, Vice President-elect Harris was under a microscope that, that no one else was that was running for president. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if, if you couldn't see that, then there's something wrong with your eyes. But she was definitely looked at differently. She was looked at differently by her peers and just regular people just in on social media that had things to say about her. You know, so it was it was completely different all around. Um you know, and I, I think that's also why um different things were attached to her because you know what I mean when you're under different microscope and people are talking about these particular things, right? Like it attaches to you differently, you know? Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still super proud of my fellow Howard Bison, you know what I mean? And, and I know there, there are some people that weren't happy with the pick and aren't happy with the pick, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm proud. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's all I got to say about that. Yeah. But, uh, I, I agree with you 100%. I'm, I'm proud of the pick and, um, we're not going to always like, History has shown us that progress happens gradually, not that we shouldn't push and fight and continue to make sure we keep moving forward because we're not moving forward quick enough, especially in our microwave generation of wanting stuff now. But what I will say is that I know in my lifetime, as much as like, you know, me growing up, I was, I was, I'm thankful to have been raised by like, you know, strong black women and men in my life that just showed me that I could achieve whatever I wanted, but it's different when you don't see it. It's different when you you're told that, but you're still not seeing it. So you can't even as a young black girl, I couldn't even put in my mind, like, well, what do I do to get to be the president? You know, like I would do pageants and there'll be girls like I'm gonna be the president of the United States. I never said nothing like that. Cause I, I, I didn't, it, I just didn't even understand what that looked like, you know, but I did understand what it looked like to be a doctor. You know, I did understand what it looked like to be an attorney or to be a teacher or to be things that I saw black women hold space in. I never, as a young person, got to see black women hold space in elected office. I mean, our friend Summer Lee is the first black woman from Western Pennsylvania to represent us on the state level. That is fucking crazy. Like. Right. You know, like it's 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 my peer that broke a ceiling that should have been broken a long time ago for us. A long time ago, yeah, a long time ago. So that is why when we have and don't don't get me wrong, we need to be critical. We need to hold people accountable. We need to ask questions. We don't just see someone that you know makes us proud and just like bite our tongue. But it's also like we are saying, it's okay to celebrate that because her being in that position pisses people off every single day. I mean, just even the way that um, 
some of her peers have been um, mocking her, you know, like mm-hmm. what I'm not, what I'm going to do is, yeah, I'm going to be tough, but I also know how to keep that in house. Like right. I don't need to be broadcasting why, uh, unless it's something that needs to be discussed publicly in a sense of like policy, but that personal stuff, that black woman stuff, we can do that behind the scenes because uh, yeah, like I'm, I'm standing in line with, with my sis. Like that's, that's what I'm doing. Um, So yeah, let's go Kamala. Let's get it. I got high expectations for you in this role of uh, VP. Um, that I think and know you can um, you can achieve and what we got that announcement for her being the candidate in August so uh, that's kind of what we were wrapping about then I did skip over the we were talking about the DC becoming a state I pulled up an article on um, wamu.org Mm-hmm. And um, it was stating just how the U.S. House of Representatives voted to pass a bill in June approving D.C. statehood. And then um, for D.C. to become a state, the current Senate would need to pass a statehood bill and the president would have to sign the legislation, which wouldn't be really an issue with Biden and the White House. Um, so we'll see what happens with that, you know, D.C. being a state because what it's a territory. What is, it, what is it considered? This is just the District of Columbia. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Yeah, I know, and and this is this is the this is why we got to we got to get we still got to get to work because our current Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who what McConnell's out of Kentucky. Yeah. He has made no indication that he'll put D.C. statehood up for a floor vote for the current Senate. And we know why, because D.C. going to be blue. And so that means there's more Democrats that would make it to the Senate, which is necessary. Mm -hmm. Um, We need a balance. It's not only going to be blue, it's going to be black and brown. Yeah, that too. That too. So... You know what I mean? Like automatically, you know what I'm saying? That's the representation of District of Columbia right there mm-hmm. in the background folks. Mm-hmm. And and also there's representation of LGBTQI community right there in that leadership as well. <clears throat> so you know what I'm saying? Like you have everybody and everything you're trying to keep off the floor out of the Congress right there in DC. Yeah. That's what that would be. So that's another reason for real for why they don't want that to happen. Yeah. You know? But um but we're going to stay tuned to that because I feel like that's going to happen. It's going to happen in our lifetime very soon that DC becomes a state. You know, like it has to, it has to, I mean, and so does Puerto Rico while we on the subject, while we're on a subject, it, there's no way that Puerto Rico doesn't have representation mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. in the capital, in the capital, mm-hmm. but you're still considered a territory. Mm-hmm. But you don't have any kind of representation. Mm-hmm. That needs to be changed as well. Which is also a part of the problem and why that, you know, why Puerto Rico has some of the, a lot of their systemic issues just getting through the the natural disasters that uh, 
that have been experienced. Um, you know, yeah, Puerto and Puerto Rico is beautiful. Um, I want to go back to Puerto Rico. Um, I can't wait till traveling is a is a thing that we can do again because Puerto Rico is definitely on a list to go back to. The last time I went there was for a friend's wedding and. We just really, really enjoyed ourselves um, in Puerto Rico. So I agree. I agree. And then, ooh, what else did we talk about this year? Because, ooh, 2020. I guess we got through August and September pushing through these elections with, uh, you know, Trump and Biden. Biden got a little Biden got a little loose in the mouth a few times through this campaign, but eventually he realized that he needed to be quiet. <laughs> Just stop talking. Just don't talk, bro. Yeah, he, definitely, he definitely almost had a couple of times where he could have fucked it up. Yeah. For you know what I mean? I think for everybody, he could have messed it up a couple of times. Um yeah, I feel like he was just talking too much. Like you said, like you talking too much, bro. Like let's say less words. So that there's less chance that one of these words you say offends some group of people that's going to need to vote for you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, so yeah, he definitely almost messed that up a couple of times. Um, but he overcame, he overcame it, but it definitely could have been the end. <laughs> it definitely could have, it definitely could have went bad. Um, I'm trying to think, we talked about a lot. There was a lot this year, like. So much. Also something else to mention. Um, and this is at like a national level too, is the type of voter suppression that was happening in the primaries and in general, you know what I'm saying? Because we're, we're coming up now in October in our recap. So we're still talking about general suppression, but primary and general, you know what I mean? Nationally, regionally, locally, there was voter suppression efforts, you know what I'm saying? Like not, not trying to keep people from being able to get melon ballots mm-hmm. or to get their melon ballot or for the melon ballot to count. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of different suppression, um, yeah, misinformation, creating confusion. These are all, these are all voter suppression tactics. You know what I'm saying? Like, so all of these things, this is all voter suppression. Um, but yo, the fact that people didn't get their melon ballots till like the week before the election, you know what I mean? Like the fact that um, people still didn't get their mail-in ballots and had to cast a provisional ballot, which is ridiculous to me. You know what I mean? Like we, you know, they, they say it was a secure election because the election process was secure, but the other side of the election process was not secure at all. You no. know, um, you know, you had a lot of people go through a lot of different hassles um, and haze, hazes to get their ballots, get their ballot counted, to know where to go to vote, you know, every different angle. You know, I, I was definitely, we were both personally able to see it on the ground, yeah. how they were trying to get people not to vote. You yeah. know what I'm saying? In both elections this year. Like, this ain't nothing that we was reading or it was speculative. Like, this was lived experiences where we saw this happening, you know? Yeah. Voter suppression is like that. I think that's the part for me that makes me want to like, like that I I, I want to 
like just drive that point home as to why voting is important, you know, and if this election didn't show if this election showed anybody anything, it is that voting matters like the mail mail in ballots this year were golden and that's why they were afraid because more people showed up to vote like for me i vote and i personally would prefer to always vote by mail like personally and i say that because you know, this was a general, like a, a presidential election year. So, you know, candidates on this particular ballot were pretty familiar for me, you know, someone like us who's pretty involved. But when we, like next year's ballot, when we've got these judges, mm-hmm. I mean, these judicial races are serious. And yeah. People don't realize the power that's on that ballot when we talk about the judicial races. Because when a judge gets in, it's hard to get a judge out. Like, it is so hard to get a judge out. You don't just, like, I'm voting you out. Like, mm, it actually don't work like that. Right. So I, I look forward to mail-in, mail-in voting on a judicial race because the time that people can take to look up each person, each judge, just a simple Google, you know, like Google of the name. You might have a story pop up and you'd be like, oh, hmm, maybe I don't want to vote for this person. Right. I just, I think that, you know, mail-in voting was, was a big plus, but at the same time, you know, folks did try to disenfranchise us with the mail-in votes because they were, they're afraid. They're afraid of actually seeing um, more people voting because more than likely they're not in support of those who hold power. Like, especially here in PA, I mean, we talked about it on our previous episodes, but PA, man, our state house is like very problematic and it is ran by the Republicans. So we've got all these complaints about what's happening in our state because of governor Wolf, but like the Republicans run this, the Senate and the house. So uh, it's on them that things are screwed up right now. Like not the Democrats and um, and then in Georgia, with their mail-in votes, I remember I saw they were trying to throw out ballots and see if the signatures matched up. Like, when I heard that, you know what it made me think of? You know, I feel like between, like, undergrad and, like, fresh out of undergrad, my signature changed. I had a whole moment in life where I did my A differently because I just wanted to be different. Like. So who knows what my signature looks like whenever I first, like, registered to vote. Like, I don't even know what I did on my signature. So if you matching my signature, that, that ain't capturing the truth. Oh, yeah, that thing's not the same. That's not the same. <laughs> that's, not, that's not the same exact. Nah. And I think that goes to also show, like, the the age of our system because you figure like our grandparents like your signature is your signature but for us and like the generations after us like they don't even teach them how to write in cursive like it's just it's not the same so 
they be trying to suppress our votes however they can, whether they're purging voter rolls, because that happens. That's the thing. If you don't vote within a certain year span, they just take you off the voter rolls. Like, mm-hmm. why? Yeah. Uh, the only thing I think that could be better is like when people move from state to state, but that's the issue with states' rights because we don't cross check. You know, PA yeah. checking what's happening in Atlanta or Georgia or North Carolina because, you know, a lot of folks leave PA and go to those states. But, yeah. you know, people are still registered here and they're also registered in these new states and there's no um, catch for that. Yeah. So, um, you know, those are the things that I think of in regards to our, our, our system being outdated, but voter suppression is real because they don't want us to vote because they don't want states like Georgia to turn blue like it did. Yep. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. And shout out to all the organizers, the workers on the ground, getting people to register to vote. You know, I know Stacey Abrams got a lot of recognition and still lift that sense up and shout out to her, but there are so many more than her because one person cannot get all that work done. So um, despite the suppression that happens, you know, we still out here pushing back and fighting and making sure we do what we do to make sure we get people registered to vote because there is power in our votes and then we're going to get these votes and then we're going to take these offices and keep it moving. Like that's, that's just what we got to do. And America, we voted Trump out. Mm-hmm. We voted that man out. Oh yeah. Like, 81 million, 81 million. The most that ever voted ever. You know what I'm saying? Like 81, <clears throat> 81 million. Like in the history of this country, no, not like that's the most people who ever voted in an election. And you I think what was that only sixty percent of the country too? Like that's only sixty percent of the country that voted in this year's election. So it still isn't all of us. Wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. So there's forty percent of us out here not voting. We gotta go get them. That's where yeah. my mind's at. Like where y'all at? I'm coming and knocking on your door. Man, and some of them probably listen to this podcast for real, for real, man. I hope so. And you don't vote, like, let us change your mind in 2021. Let us talk. Yeah, because, like, I feel like a lot of people don't realize how personal elections are. And, like, I think an opportunity for us next year is, like, how important locally in Allegheny County and Pittsburgh these judge races are. You know what I'm saying? Like these, these, these elections are so important. You know what I'm saying? Like these are people that are, you know what I mean? People are going to see these judges for all different kinds of stuff. Landlord, tenant, you know what I'm saying? Or, um, or uh, truancy, you yep. know, or, 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 you know, any other kind of um, citation or anything like summons. Your, these are the judges that you're seeing. These are the judges that is ruling against you and making you have to forfeit thousands of dollars or having to do 30 days or three years or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, and you're not realizing that, yeah, there's an opportunity and a time for these people to be voted out as well. So like, I think we can in- increase that number locally based on the fact that most of the time people are seeing judges in our area and they're getting done dirty. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a, there's a select handful of judges that look out but there's a lot of judges that don't. No, I know I got a few judges that I, I super um, bang with and like, uh, but yeah. it ain't a lot. 
It's not a lot. Shout out to my papas, though, man. Yeah, Nick. Nick. His name, I know. His, guess what his name is? What? Mikhail. Oh, man. <laughs> That's my nephew's name, y'all. Listening. That's why I just love it that his name is Mikhail, too. <laughs> he's dope, man. He, he's a dope guy. I met him. I had a nice conversation with him. Yeah. Uh, man, personable to be a judge, too. So. Definitely give him his props. You know what I'm saying? But there ain't many like him. And, no, and I got a homegirl I was trying to get to run for magistrate, but she don't want to do it yet. I'll try her again in four years. I got a couple of friends I was trying to get to run for magistrate, though. Man, especially up in Penn Hills. If there's anybody in Penn Hills listening to this, you should run for magistrate. If you're interested, let me know. I know. Um, I, know. I got a couple of friends that I've been talking to, talking into running for magistrate. Mm-hmm. I know one. I know one woman I met is running on the north side, so that that should be um, some some good, you know, a good. What do I want to say? Like entry into um, like the black community having a little bit more understanding, because I feel like it takes a candidate that you know really relates to you that brings you in. Um, yeah. I think the biggest way or the easiest way I should say to really learn about this space is volunteering on a campaign. And so I hope that the more candidates that you get um, that, you know, bring the people in, uh, it opens others to possibilities of, you know, well, maybe I could run. And it's like, yes, you could, because these people that are here now, they ain't ain't special. They just, they just, you know, got the signatures and definitely not. <laughs> definitely not special. Definitely so, not. So yeah, but you know, we did it. And even with this particular, like when we talk about Trump and voting him out, like you know, I'm glad that the Democratic ticket won, but I'm super clear on America voting Trump out because I don't know if America voted for Biden. I really don't. I really think America voted to get Trump out because mm-hmm. enough people still voted for Trump. Yeah. Um, enough for it to be scary. And I and I'm and I'm going to Georgia is just I'm here for Georgia. I love Georgia or like I just have a special place in my heart for that state, but um you know, Georgia being the state that made the decision for me was just like mm-hmm. let's go. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where else? How else can we expand in the South? Especially when we think about like South Carolina, like yeah. a state like South Carolina can go blue, in my opinion. But like we said about that voter suppression, I know that voter suppression is real, and so that's something that would really probably, you know, really needs to be um, dug into because there's more where that came from. Um, there's definitely more where that came from. So. You know, that was the year of Black political millennials. That's what we uh, we went through. And that was a lot. That was a lot. And and honestly, like, that was a lot. But there's still a lot of parts that we didn't we get it. committing just for time's sake. You know what I'm saying? And continuity's sake. But it was just so much. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you still got to talk about the um, the attempted kidnapping of a Michigan governor. Yep. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, you we still you know what i mean even though COVID is always present you talk about certain states you know lack of preparation to or trying to protect 
their residents, states trying to lower the numbers, you know? Yeah, like, you know what else? And I, I don't know if it's, you know, one of those things where it's trauma for us, so we really, like, try to... Um, our conversations about it are always different, but we also got to talk about George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, and Breonna Taylor, you know, because that was this year too. Yeah. Um, locally here, you know, we had the Romare Tally situation, which is still a mess. Right. Um, and so, yeah, like to say this year felt like 10, cause this year felt like 10. I felt like I didn't did 10 years this year. <laughs> Yeah, for real then. I just, you know, we've got a lot of, there's a lot of problems that we've got to really stay aware of, but also be um, strategic in how we address and fix things. You know, yeah. we can't, when we know these problems are happening, we've got to then put our minds together to think of, um, solutions uh we got to think of the solutions to make a better future for all of us like what what steps do we need to make what seats do we need to take so yeah. that we can um make the changes that we need um like yeah. we talked about on our last uh i think we talked about this on the last um podcast but when you and i were on that panel Mm -hmm. um, with that brother talking about, you know, a constitutional convention. Like, I ain't forgot about that. Like, that that weighs on me still. And knowing that after this election that Republicans have once again gained more seats, we, y'all, we, 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 whew. And when we get into these other topics that we're going to tap into, we're going to dive about this GOP and how they are literally, they are, they are literally years ahead of us. They're just mm -hmm. years ahead of us. And uh, we got to get it together. You know, they play the long game. They're able to play the long game and they are successfully playing the long game. And you see it happening in Congress at the national level and you see it happen at the local level. You know what I mean? At the county level, we see it happen. So it's like, there has to be, I don't know, there has to be some kind of conference or some kind of conversation had with Democrats to realize that there's a lot that has to be put together and figured out next year before more is lost. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's going to be a lot more lost on a lot of different levels if there's not some kind of conversation about connectivity. You know what I'm saying? And connecting and and finding people ask about a common thread. I get that, but like we all have to understand that as this party, we want to get everybody to the finish line. Mm -hmm. You know, and I feel like a lot of times the Democratic Party, people look at certain people like, all right, well, you can you starting the race with us, but it's like, bro, starting the race ain't enough. Like y'all finished the race, we won't be finishing the race. You know what I mean? So I feel like there has to be a conversation had about making sure that everybody on your team finishes that damn race. Um, so, you know what I mean? I know we've, we're trying to create that conversation um, in different spaces. Yep. That's just important. Though, because you know, we got a whole plot in the works right now. 
but uh that's that's real like that i we we gonna get into these topics because i think we can i think we can really dive into when we talk about the freshman class but Mm -hmm. um the inauguration i'm so sad that we can't go to the inauguration i would have this would have been my year to go to the inauguration I'd have been at somebody's ball in somebody's gown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that definitely would have been at the inauguration this year. Like, no question. No question. Like, we probably would have did, like, a bus trip or something. Like, y'all, we going to D.C. We could have been able to do a live episode. Like, there's a lot that could have happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, because um, I know the Howard Bison fan would have been going hard in the paint. And then we would have been able to fall into a lot of different things while we was down there. You know what, though? Y'all going to get that. Y'all going to get that on her presidency, though. Because I don't care what nobody say. That woman's going to be the president. Period. Period. Like, I don't care. How old is AOC? Oh, no. 29, maybe? Is she 27? I want to look and see how old AOC is. Cause you gotta be what thirty five? Is there an age limit on VP? Yeah, you gotta be. Uh, I don't know all VP. Yeah, so I thirty one. She's thirty one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what that means? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Call the president AOC VP. Wow. That would be dope, right? Wow. I'm just gonna throw it out there. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw that out there real quick. <laughs> Put out in the universe. Because yeah, that would be hard. That would be dope. And you know, I think when we talk about like, you know, we gotta talk about succession planning and we gotta talk about like what comes next, but um we've gotta look at what do who do we have and where can they take us. Right. Because I, I was listening to an interview with Obama. Um, I think this was his uh, his interview with the Breakfast Club, and you know he's always going to get slack because he ain't do enough. But I, I I I can look at the Obama presidency from two from two different lights. I can look at it from the side of there's so many firsts in his presidency that as a black man and as a black family, you know that you can't fuck up the same way a Bush could fuck up, the same way Trump has fucked up. And so (laughs) I think that erring on the side of caution and a sense of legacy was more important, whether it's a selfish decision or not, like he had to make a selfish decision when it came to that point and his his movements and um the the progress that he made wasn't explicitly for black people but it was it was progress and steps made where the folks who are most impacted we're black folks. So if he is improving this, which helps everyone, it's really going to help the black population. It's just not going to explicitly be stated like, I did this just for the black people. Like, it just, 
I just, I just didn't, I didn't have that expectation. I, I just, I never had that expectation. And so I can look at it from that perspective, but then I can also look at it from the perspective of like, well, shit, you had a second term. So it didn't really matter. Like what was coming after that? But what he said, what Obama said in the interview was, I made decisions so that had we had a Clinton presidency after me, we could have continued to move forward in the direction of things that we needed, like uh, universal health care. Like if this pandemic hasn't showed us anything, it is that we need universal Medicare. And I know people hate the way that sounds, but healthcare should not bankrupt folks. Like it just shouldn't. And um, something as simple as healthcare and the Affordable Care Act and the number of people who were insured because of it, you can't tell me that that didn't positively impact the black community like the majority of folks not insured are black folks like it's it's just it's just the facts like so um when when he made that statement it brought me back to the thought of like this work and this movement to move forward like before we got before we got to um uh you know like before we got to like the civil rights act mm -hmm. you know what we had before that was yeah, i mean like my i don't know man we can have a another another podcast just for my just concern because i feel like just me being a, a fan of history i've just seen at how many different turns where like the democratic party was just kind of just like sold out they sold itself out mm -hmm. and it sold sold people of color out sold poor people out mm -hmm. it, it sold you know what i'm saying gay and lesbian people out mm -hmm. sold out people with disabilities mm -hmm. sold out veterans mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like this happened in the 40s you know what i'm saying like i feel like this is what's happening now is just like a continued pile on of decades and decades of just all different kinds of fuckery. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't feel like there's still enough conversations had about the eighties and the war on drugs yeah. and the shit that, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like there's so many people that talk about the, the nineties crime bill and with rightfully so, but don't talk about what was happening in the eighties. Yeah. You know what I'm and you don't talk about what the government was doing and allowing it to come into our communities. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and people were allowed to move these drugs with impunity. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, do, they don't want to talk about that. They don't want to talk about that. And that, yeah. listen, what, what, what was the, what's the movie that we have watched about um, the death penalty with Jamie Foxx? Just Mercy. Just Mercy. Was that, that was Just Mercy. Mm -hmm. Martell, after I watched that movie, I said, anybody that got the death penalty before 2008 needs to be, like, taken off. I don't yeah. even care. 
Like for the real. man that we just that the man that this country just murdered a couple days ago, Brand, Brandon, was that yeah. that brother's name? I think it was. That that's that. I I had a bad day. I had a bad day this week when that happened. Um. Brandon Bernard. Five of the jurors from his case who are living today each said he should not be on death penalty. Like, he should not. And this is the first capital punishment that was, um, go, that, has, that went through on an outgoing fucking president. Like, I, for the life of me, if you haven't seen Just Mercy, you should see it. And um, this, the the fight for our criminal justice system is is real. And I I don't know, it just makes me, I'm a- there's a documentary. Don't all- let me be the president. I'm just gonna say that. Don't let me be president, y'all, because I'm gonna make a whole bunch of people mad. There's also a documentary um, about Brian Stevenson, and um, it it kind of leads up. It tells a story about his life leading up to the case um, that's discussed in Just Mercy, but just his life alone was super inspiring. Um, I can't think of the name of the documentary, but it's on HBO Max, the uh, HBO Max app. Um, but that's a great documentary to see as well to kind of get background on, on Brian Stevenson um, and just kind of things he was doing and the cases that he was fighting because he was taking the cases that nobody else would take. He was advocating on behalf of people that had um, intellectual disabilities, mental disabilities that were being um, convicted of crimes like it, it, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's definitely kind of one of those, like, things that you might wipe a tear to. Um, but we need more people like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I, I'll, I'll definitely say that that documentary inspired me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was really inspiring to me to, to kind of hear them stories. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's just, there's just a lot of wild, you know, stuff that happens. And so I don't even know how we got to this point of the conversation, but um, I feel like we were talking about the inauguration. Oh, we were talking about the potential of presidencies and yeah. missing the inauguration and all of that. But uh, yeah, that's I, I just think that we know we have a lot more work that needs to be done. We know that there are problems that need to be addressed. And so with that, as long as we are taking steps when it comes to our government at all levels, I think the federal level from our, our perspective is gonna be the smaller steps forward. They still need to be going forward, but there'll be small steps forward where we take those bigger leaps forward is locally. No question. We take those steps forward that can be a bigger step. And then I really want us to get into the conversation of talking about like trickling up. Like there's a way that that happened. It's not easy, but we can trickle the power up because 
when you get your local uh, candidate that you can touch, you can touch, you know, like you can access and then they use that role so that they can touch in the spaces that they can touch and keep you in the loop. That's how we push up. Like that's the way we need to start pushing up with our elected officials instead of like, you know, feeling like, Oh, we got to get Senator Casey. No, I need to be called. I need to be able to hit up my state rep, put pressure on my state rep. Then my state rep can talk to our, our Senator and then our senators can go to our federal senators and Congress people. And then they push that. That's, that's to me the best way to push that change. But my local reps got to be, I got to be able to touch them. If I can't touch my local rep, then I need a new local rep. That's real. And that's that. That's definitely real. So, and there's a lot of local reps that you can't really get in touch with. Um, yeah. But are we, are we going local now? Are we, are we, are we going to no. go local now? No, not yet. Do we want to talk about a, a few of these, uh, the transition for this 46th administration? Because we got some, uh, we got some folks in the, um, the new administration team that I think are worth pointing out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We can highlight, um, highlight some of them. Yeah, definitely not all of them because we don't know all these folks but some of them and just for record because i feel like a reference if you're you know listening to us on this page and you're keeping up with what we talk about there's a social media page called transition 46 which is a verified page um and it has been doing a pretty good job of informing um the public on what their team is looking like and it also allows us to be critical you know there were a few days where you know, positions were coming out and I was seeing some feedback from folks like, you know, I'm, it's, it's, it's not as diverse as you were saying. And I feel like recently it's been a little better. There's a lot of women. I'm seeing a lot of women. Um, but as always, women as a, as a, a, a factor in diversity can also be problematic when it's a bunch of white women, you know? Mm-hmm. So those were all points and then the lack of black men too you know there were also some feedback and criticisms of you know i'm not seeing too many black men um so far in this administration and that was before i think you had sent me someone who was it that we were talking about um i think it was uh congressman cedric richmond yeah yeah this was those comments were coming out before he was selected, mm-hmm. but um, so y'all know who was it? Yep, Cedric Richmond. That was it. Um, hold on. Did they delete some stuff? I feel like they deleted some posts. They may have. Yeah, I got an argument on on Instagram with this one of those black news sites about Cedric Richmond. And it was just kind of like, it was mad funny because this person was, was like mad at Cedric Richmond because he didn't meet with Ice Cube. Like the whole disagreement was based on Ice Cube. And it was just like, Ice Cube don't need no fan club. And this black news site person got real emotional, was trying to get into it with me about things that Cedric Richmond hasn't done or hadn't done. 
And like, meanwhile, I'm like, he's setting forth some progressive legislation, but you can't, you can't get certain stuff passed right now. And that's not this person's fault. So it was like, the plan to unfollow the, the, the news site and any other affiliates. Cause it was just like, it was like mad hotepi for me. And it was just like, y'all, you, you're, you're not really coming from a place of like knowledge, just like a place of emotion. Um, cause I said somebody, cause I wasn't keeping for ice cube. Um, but yeah, like there's going to be a lot of people that have their eyes on this whole transition team and they don't really understand all of this shit or understand the process or understand like the right people for certain positions, you know what I'm saying? Or things like that. So there's going to be a lot of that happening as well for the next month, couple months to a year. It is. So it's so crazy you say that because um, we really didn't talk about this, but you know, I was in a room on Clubhouse and it was the room where we were talking about, oh, you want to run for local politics. And there was a question from one of the people in, you know, in the room and they were like, um, basically when you run for office or you're in an, an elected role, like the advice or whatever that you, um, you could give. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys in there, um, black guy, I can't think of his name. Um, I should look it up because um, he had some valid points, but I'll, I'll share what he was talking about. But he basically was saying, um, his name is Telly Medina. He was saying how like, you know, we can talk all this, like, good, you know, support, I got my, like, crew or whatever, but the people who are going to be the hardest on you is your own people. Mm-hmm. Always. Like, no matter what we do, we are always going to be the hardest on each other. Like, yeah. I feel like Black women, and I love me some Black women, don't get it twisted. Like, I'm here for Black women all day. But Black women have probably also been a part of spaces that have been very hurtful to me in my life you know whether it was in a job or personally like you know we can be our our own worst enemy and so um when you when you mentioned the feedback and the back and forth you were getting when you were basically supporting a brother like that's not, that wasn't the, the response that you got. So, you know, and there's, I think there's a way to go about disagreeing and trying to like bully your opinion onto me. Right. And, um, you know, that's just like, that's a part of it. Yeah. And, um, I'm getting used to it. I won't say that like, you know, like it's not easy, but that's just a part of the territory that we, you know, we're in and doing this work, so. That's right. So, yeah. um, What we got? Georgia, we talked about y'all, so make sure you get out and vote. Andre gave all the the details. Their voting day is January. January 5th is the actual runoff election day. Early voting starts December 14th. Mm-hmm. Um, and this episode will be out on that day, so um, it's like perfect timing. We didn't even plan that. Wasn't that yeah. perfect timing? 
Yeah, I did also want to mention, we were talking about the transition. Oh, yeah. Uh, one, one person wanted to highlight uh, is Congresswoman Marcia Fudge. And she's been tapped to lead um, HUD, the Department of Housing and Urban Development. Um, so Rep Fudge is, is from Ohio. Um, and she was also the former mayor of a, a suburb of Cleveland. Um, so just kind of reading her record, like seemed like she has some good experience. Um, and I know people wanted her, wanted her for the Department of uh, Agriculture um, instead, but I think she'll do really good um, in HUD because that's the way things are going now and how next year is looking. You need somebody with experience. You need somebody with patience. You need somebody with compassion to be working ahead in HUD. Um, because urban development, housing, going to be a lot happening with that, a lot of homelessness, a lot of relocation, a lot of different things like that are going to be happening with this new administration. Um, so I wanted to highlight that, uh, to highlight Rep Fudge. Um, Black woman has, has Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm here for it. I did see that. Um, and, and Susan Rice. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right, because that was that was one of the, you know, whispers of could she be a VP? Right, right. Uh, um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for her. Um, and she'll be domestic policy council. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'll, uh, it'll be interesting to see. Um, it's a lot of good experience, you know what I'm saying? It's a lot of really good experience. Um, a lot of people that have knowledge of how Washington works and the world works and, um, people that want to get things normal, things working again. Um, so yeah, so it'll be some more uh, more appointments by the time we do a new episode. But uh, definitely wanted to shout them out. Um, oh yeah, and you know our girl Simone Sanders. You know she's on the team. You know she's a a young millennial. She's been out here. She's we we really first got to see her on the Bernie Sanders campaign um, back in 2016, and. Um, she is, I'm trying to find there she is, uh, senior advisor and chief spokesperson for the vice president. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, one thing I know when, when I feel like I know a Simone Sanders is in the room is that um, she is not biting her tongue. Mm -hmm. So, um when it comes to communications, because that's also, uh, to me, a big part of all of this is communication. People don't communicate well with each other. Right. Kind of like a hard task. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I appreciate her style. And so that will be just this whole, just people that can read, people that read things that are you know, intriguing to the mind. Um, it feels good to 
Yeah, yeah, you said people that can read, man. That's wild that the the <laughs> what do you want to call it? The the requirements have been lowered so much. <laughs> you got people that was they can't read good that was just loyal on they was loyal to Trump. The, I feel like Trump can't read good. Yeah. He can't, man. He I mean, let's be realistic. The man probably said maybe five hundred words in the four years that he was president. Like maybe five hundred words. Like you know what I'm saying? Like twenty-five minute speeches be the same thirty thirty words, thirty-five words, it all be the same. Like legit, he may not have said more than five words. I mean not five words, more than like five hundred words since he's been president. Like he doubles what he doubles it up. He always says stuff twice. That doesn't count as different words. Those are the same words. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, 500 tops. Like, I'd be willing to bet somebody that could roll the tape on all his speeches. That 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 man said 500 words tops. <sighs> so, yeah, there's that. There's yeah. that. And then what? We've got this. We've got the freshman class of the 117th U.S. Congress. Yeah. Yeah, so I was going through the ages of these, everybody. And I want to say, I think I saw maybe 12 individuals, both parties, that were born after 1980. You know what I'm saying? Like, How many are there in total? Uh... Let me see. Uh, There's six senators, but all of them were born between 1954 and 1972. But for House. Like 66, 65. That's crazy. Yep. I was trying to go through and count all of them, but yeah. 65. So like 12, 12 out of those were born after 1980. And there was one in the 1990s uh, who's a Republican um, from North Carolina. But the thing that I was saying to you before we started is that a lot of people born after 1980 are Republicans. The Republican Party has the younger freshmen incoming in the Congress, you yep. know? And we call that succession planning, y'all. And so what does that mean? We are behind. Mm -hmm. Got to get together, Democrats. You ain't, you ain't tapping into your party no more. You holding on to power, you being a gatekeeper, and that's not going to get us nowhere. So that's the message from me and my feelings on this party right now. I'm so tired of it. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. They still keep taking my vote. Ugh. So we got, we got work to do. We got some work to do. There's some work happening out here, though, that I know of um, that we'll be able to share out as we get into this new year and things are coming up. Um, that was a point though that we really wanted to make about 
the, the, the freshman class, I guess we can explain the freshman class for people if they don't know what that is. Mm -hmm. um, that is, those are the new folks. Those are the new people. Um, you can Google them. There is a whole Wikipedia list. Um, mm -hmm. It gives you a good bit of demographics of them, their state, their party, if they beat someone, if they were maintaining the seat, what their former, you know, position was. There's even someone that has no prior experience, you know? Yeah, there's a couple people that didn't really have political experience that, that won races. Um, but 10 of the 12 or 13 young younger folks are Republican. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's two guys that were born in the 1980s in New York, both brothers. Um, but that's really it, though. The, the, the rest is Republicans that are coming in with, you know what I mean? They got a congressperson that's, that's in the early 30s. You know, like, they're, like you were saying, it's a concession plan. Like, they're, these are people that can have these seats for 50 years. Mm -hmm. So if they see so fit, if they want to, you can have this person in this particular seat in this district for 50 years. And that's happened. There are people that have held for 30, 40 years. Yeah, but then there's some of them, like Paul Ryan. He came in, he fucked shit up, and then he got out. Mm -hmm. And that is a problem, too. Right. Like, when I look at, I saw a picture of Paul Ryan, and I was like, that man came in literally shitted on us mm -hmm. and was like all right i'm done i got yeah. my so we've got a oh my goodness frustrating we've got to get it together though um super, super frustrating four democrats ten republicans i wanted to go through and be concise and be exact but there's four democrats to ten republicans that are born after 1980 you know what i'm saying like that's a big difference. Ten, ten Republicans, four Democrats that are born after 1980. 1980 or after, basically. But, you know what I'm saying? So, Democratic Party, like, you have to talk about a lot of stuff. You got to talk about succession. You got to talk about identity. Identity is important. You know what I'm saying? Like, and the thing about that I don't like is that there's been this whole thing from people on the right about like identity politics and all this kind of stuff. But guess what? The people that are talking about that, your identity is 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 the majority or what is seen in this country. You know what I'm saying? Other people on the other side, like identity is what is the thing that gets certain people killed over here. You know what I'm saying? How we identify or what we look like. You know what I'm saying? Or what people see us as. So like important representation is important you know what i'm saying like so you have people that you know what i mean it's not no shot that somebody was born in like 58 59 they might be trying to come and make things happen but it's like the lived experiences that you're having are going to be different than lived experiences of somebody that was born in 92 this a voter this a voter of yours now they can legally vote and will be voting for the next 30 years you know what i'm saying so there has to be, we talked about this earlier in this episode, but there has to be a conversation in a Democratic Party at the national level and at local levels. And it has to be about planning, it has to be about organizing, it has to be about secession, it has to be about identity. You know what I'm saying? And how you can represent, represent 
the a, a mass group. You know what I'm saying? Because if you look at Republican, is like majority of Republicans is Caucasian, male, female, Caucasian, conservative, Christian. You know what I'm saying? That's the majority of, of Republicans. But then you come over here for the Democrats, you got black, you got white, you got Latino, you got Asian, you know what I'm saying? You got uh, people from uh, Southeast and Pacific. You got people it's easier for them to align. We, we don't align like that because we, we are all different. You know, we don't, us aligning doesn't help us as a people, them aligning as a conservative helps them because their path to what they want is so narrow. And my thing is conserve what? You know what I'm saying? Like, no one really asks that question about what are you conserving? Mm-hmm. Conserving of what? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, are you conserving of, of, of historical white supremacy ways of the country? Like, um, cause my thing is, is what, what, what's, what is there to conserve? What is conservable? What is conservative? What are what are you conserving? You know what I'm saying? Like that's 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 what nobody really talks about. Because nope. you can't just be talking about conserving in a budget. Mm-hmm. You can't just be talking about that. Because these are the same people that they blow all this different kind of money, or same people to be uh, green lighting contracts for four billion dollars for defense. You know what I'm saying? For some machines to drop bombs on innocent people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like is. What's that? What's, what are you conserving there? So, like, my, my thing is, like, I, I, wanna, I want them to start fleshing out what words mean. People be using words, and I'm just like, conservative of what? You know what I'm saying? I don't understand that. Like, I want, I want to have somebody explain that to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, we can get a Republican to get on, you know what I'm saying, have a conversation about what you're trying to conserve. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't be trying to conserve the budget, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's not the case. That's not the case. Yeah. Some been squandered on wars since the late eighties. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just went off on a tangent real quick. That, but that was a good one. That, yeah. that listen, snaps, claps, all of that. Because I, I'm, that's I'm still I still wonder about that. But we gotta get younger though. You know what I'm saying? Like, and even if we don't get younger, then people just gotta get more informed about people that are younger. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's important. Tap into what's happening in our spaces. Like, come to us. They, they got to come to us and ask us, what do we need? We need these school loans forgiven. That's what we need. Woo! Lord, that's what we need. You yeah. hear that? Administration 46, Biden, Harris. That's what we need. Mm-hmm. Well... This coronavirus is real, and uh, I do want to make a point as we get ready for the holidays and everybody's frustrated, and um, we need to demand our money from our government because this money that they have, you know, trillions of it to spend when we go to war, they have it to spend in its own country when we are going through a once in a lifetime pandemic that is literally taking lives daily. We are surpassing 9-11 number of lives lost daily. Those are the numbers that we're talking about. I think that 
you know, uh, as these, as these restaurants and, you know, entertainment places, like places that really aren't essential closed down, they should be supported. These small businesses, these, you know, organizations that need to stop operating. Um, and those, those decisions are possible, but we as a collective just haven't ever put the force on our elected officials to make sure they do it. So that is my rant about the coronavirus and who we need to be upset at. Um, it is the government. <laughs> Definitely. And your people still wear your mask, yo. Like, I've been, I, I went to a dollar store and the amount of people that just didn't have mask on, it was kind of blowing to me. Mm -hmm. I had a double take, like, yo, you don't got no mask on? You don't got no mask on? Like, you guys to Chipotle and everybody had their mask on and we were just staring at him and he's looking and we're just like, Where, where's your mask? Like, put a mask on. Yeah, like, that's just, that's just mask. over his face, like, just get a mask. You know, like wear your mask man and like be responsible for yourself and other people man and take care i said like we gotta take care of each other you know what i'm saying like i know i know friends of friends that still go out to these bars trying to be out and seen and get shows or whatever else and then we'll go hang with this friend and not realize that this friend is trying to go spend Thanksgiving with their extended family, which includes family members that are immunocompromised, family members that have asthma, family members that are in their 80s or 90s. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, yo, friend and friend of a friend, you got to realize that you can really get the people that you love caught up and sick from this. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's wild. I, I, I follow somebody that works at a hospital and everybody knows they work at a hospital, but on a fate on the IG stories, they had the after hour spot. After hour spots are open. Sure, they were open. You they, know what I'm saying? I'm not going to say which ones because the people are like, Oh, use this podcast. Try and get niggas shut down. Da -da -da. But niggas is irresponsible. All about a couple punk ass hundred thousand, hundred dollars, thousand dollars. You you risking people catching COVID and this being a contacting tracing spot or a super spreader event. But yeah, there was after hour spots open, and this person who works at a hospital was in there. And my thing is, there's a lack of like irresponsibility in that because we already know especially black folks, if we know somebody that's a nurse or we know somebody work at a hospital, we about to call you about every little thing that's wrong with us, right? Because you're the person closest. So now for this person to be out and about, so now people are going to look at you and be like, oh, well, she was out. I'm out. And that happened. And that's a true story. You know what I'm saying? And I'm praying for people right now. But that's 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 real wrapped up, you know what I'm saying? And like that shit is just dangerous, man. And that's why people ain't gonna see me till next fall. Like I'm, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's too real. real. It's too real. Yeah, it's real. It's real. Um, that's yeah. We wear your mask, wash your hands, yo. That's all. Yeah, coronavirus is real, Thanks. and um.
you know, we just need to get it together so we can get back to life. Yeah. And with these vaccines coming out, you know, do your own research, you know, don't, you know, do what you feel is best for you. Um, I'm just going to speak for myself. I'm waiting on these vaccines. I'm definitely waiting. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw that people that was getting one of the vaccines, some people ended up with Bell's palsy. That's what Dante was saying, yep. Yo, like, I don't even understand how a vaccine can create that effect in you. Right. Oh, that's the part I don't understand. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? It's it's gonna be next year is gonna be wild. I think like I was saying earlier, people was expecting next year to be better. Next year is gonna be some more this year, but a little bit crazier. You know what I'm saying? Because they're gonna start trying to make people take these vaccines to work certain places, and that's gonna be a whole issue too. You know what I'm saying? So there's gonna be a lot of reporting and discussion on that. Cause that's gonna be the next thing. I'm telling you now. You know what I'm saying? Like that's going to be the next thing is them trying to force people to take vaccinations. We're not forcing you, but you are forcing me though. Cause you tell me I can't retain my job if I don't get this vaccine. <sighs> Shit's wild, yo. So how you were saying people do your research. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. So I, for one, I am, I am for vaccines. I do think that it's moving fast. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, I think about chicken pox and how kids today don't get chicken pox. And that's mm -hmm. because of the vaccine. Like, I have a little brother who never had chicken pox. We all had chicken pox, all of like my cousins. And mm -hmm. so, like, vaccines do work when they figure out all of the scientific things that need to be figured out um so i don't plan on even getting close to getting one for the next additional year if not two more years but um that means it's a long time for how we have to live our lives mm -hmm. so yeah, you gotta be willing like you gotta be smart on one way or the other but yeah i'm definitely waiting on a vaccine too i'm not I'm not, none of the ones that's on trucks right now is is for me. You know what I'm saying? They want to go through some more rounds of R&D yeah. for, for you catch me getting a vaccine. But No, and I, and I feel it, and a lot of people feel that way. Um, so, agree. I just, I think for me, I'm not rushing to need one. Um, I'm just trying to stay healthy. Um, so, that's my plan. Is stay healthy, work out, you know, vitamins, all of that good stuff. Um, but you know, that's that's real life right now. We in the house on Zoom instead of being able to be in person, and that that's what sucks, you know. Uh, and that's hard. People are having, you know, a hard time dealing with that. So definitely. <sighs> This was this was quite this is this is this episode is like the 2020 wrap up and I feel like you know wrapping up this year it just it's definitely one of them years that I ain't going to be like <sighs> like 2021 is going to be like nah I'm I'm stepping into 2021 slowly yeah cautiously yeah I'm mm -hmm. very cautious about this new year 
Yeah, super cautious because you just don't know. Like, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but um, once again, thanks to everybody that, that supported BPM this year, that listened to an episode, that followed us on podcasts or Facebook or Twitter, um, that emailed us, that asked us questions, that participated in our live shows, that came out and kicked it with us, or whether you was on Facebook live with us and answering questions or asking questions. You know what I mean? If you played our black car revoke with us, thank everybody, you know what I'm saying? They connected with BPM through 2020, uh, through this crazy ass year. And uh, I just hope we was able to give some people something. I hope we was able to give you some knowledge or explain something to you or give you a laugh or take you away from the crazy shit happening in your life. I hope we was able to do that for y'all through this through this podcast and uh we're looking to do that again in 2021 too <sighs> yes i have to second everything that pierre defecto just said um this has been such a good outlet you know in the spaces that we navigate in because being able to talk about this work is important you know, in a way to capture and document the things that happen through um, this movement to have a better future for everyone, um, our youth, our kids, us, when we're old, you know, we don't want to have to be out protesting when we are grandparents' age. Right. Uh, I'm trying to like, you know, can we chill out in a generation? <sighs> so, you know, that's what the work is for. It's what it's about. You know, and it's in love, like this work. You got to have love when you do this work. Because if you don't got love, then what we doing it for? We fighting because we love you. We fight you, we fight you, America, because we want you to be better. You can be better. It should be better. Um, so. Yeah, you got to be better. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Because not all of us will survive if we don't. You know what I'm saying? Like. Um, I, I just I just think about there's a quote from I can't even quote it but something that James Baldwin says and it's just to the effect of like um, at this point you talk about black America and white America but we could just talk about like um, you know what I mean just like a us and a them you know what I'm saying like percentage and it's like we're all here in this country and we have to get along or we'll die you know what I'm saying? Like, ultimately, that's that's what it comes down to. You know what I'm saying? So, so like, America got to get it together or, or we won't survive. You know what I'm saying? Like, we'll all die. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's really what it comes to. So. That is true. It, it has to it has to get right. You know what I'm saying? It has to it has to, to come together and be the country that everybody sees and wants America to be and thinks America is and what America can be. And I'm hoping that this is the beginning of it. Um, ooh, that was it. That that was it. Cause, ooh, and people are dying. So that's why we keep going. Because people are dying. But, well, yeah. I think this was, we, we definitely took a while. Um, we got some local stuff, but there's more that can be talked about later. Um, I think this was a good wrap up for the year. When we come back at the top of the year, um, mm-hmm. after the new year, we'll uh, we'll we'll have some groundwork on how we're going to be getting to work, like what we need to be doing 
in this space? Like what message we need to be getting out to those Yo, One thing that we do gotta say is, and I'm sure if you live in Pittsburgh, Allegheny County, you've heard about the poor conditions the inmates are facing in Allegheny County Jail in Pittsburgh. That's right. Um, and I think that's one thing that we do want to highlight before we end. Um, and there's a video that's circulating. Um, and I'll see if we can get it and get it on the BPM IG that there's a young man that's an inmate at uh, Allegheny County Jail that shared a, a video that's gone viral of dinner. Um, and when I say like this, this, this couldn't constitute any kind of dinner. I mean that he just had like some bologna, like two slices of warm bologna folded up in applesauce and a small pack of gram, uh, like animal crackers. And basically like, this is like, yo, eat this or eat shit. It's basically what they were told. You know what I'm saying? So like, they've already talked about the COVID outbreaks. They've already talked about the, the poor sanitary conditions. You know, we are talking about um, the issues with people dealing with solitary confinement there. You know what I'm saying? The books, the issues with the books that was uh, discussed about a month ago. Um, how there's like a small limit of books the inmates can read. So this is just another example of like the terrible conditions that people in our county and our city are dealing with at the ACJ, Allegheny uh, County Jail. So I wanted to bring that up real quick. Uh, so if you do hear this, um, look into that, Google that up, you know what I'm saying? And 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 do some research um, about some of the, you know, the the activism that's happening. Um, try to get some supports for inmates down at the ACJ. That some of this should already been released for real for, you know? Um, but I, I wanted to make sure that we we uh, we said that on this, on this broadcast. <sighs> Just ridiculous, just ridiculous. Yeah, there's definitely some work gonna be doing happening um, in the new year um, for like just county jail reform and stuff that needs to be done. Um, and just to know that something as simple as nutrition, like that just, I don't even understand. I just don't understand. It doesn't make sense at all. Uh, so yeah, that's why we're doing this because there's there's action to happen. So stuff like that doesn't. Mm -hmm. um, that's not okay. And thank goodness that they're able to like. How else will we know that if they weren't able to put it out themselves? Because wouldn't nobody else say nothing? This mm -hmm. been going on. This ain't new. How, that's like that's the point. Like this ain't even new. So ugh, I'm disgusted. Yeah. Um, so that's how well that's how we do black political millennials wrapping up local and how ugh, how more i don't even know what word to use like right how bad it could be um so keep listening we uh wish we could be a little more um excited but be safe and um have a happy new year. This shit's real. Happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Christmas. Happy Festivus. Happy Kwanzaa. Um, happy Boxing Day in Canada. Happy New Year. And um, yeah, be safe. Be gentle with yourself and with others, man. And uh, we'll see you next year. Peace.